0: Time is not on anybody's side in this, uh, particularly if you've got long COVID. We need to get moving as fast as possible. And so what we decided to do was to canvas the community as best we could for ideas about what might particularly be helpful using Moxic.
1: I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Judgment is an essential part of our clinical work. We need keen discernment so as to understand our patient's situation, along with the determination to intervene with appropriate treatment. It's a two-step process, first about perceiving, and the second about taking effective action. I understand the word judgment is out of fashion these days, as our common parlance morphs with the zeitgeist of the times. And you might even be on the edge of feeling some offense that I even bring this up. But as clinicians, using judgment is absolutely part of our job description. And to pretend that we don't use it is disingenuous. And furthermore, to leave judgment out of the treatment room is an abdication of our responsibility. Let's take a look at the Chinese and see if that might be helpful. The characters pan duan are the two characters that mean to judge. Pan meaning discern, distinguish, discriminate, or assess, and duan meaning to break, snap, or decide. The Chinese and English meanings aren't far apart. Judging involves the yin process of observing and discerning, and the yang of making a choice. And taking a decisive action. There's no way around it. Being non-judgmental in clinic means you're not stepping up to the job that your patients hired you for. They are trusting you to be able to use discernment to understand their situation, that you're capable of discriminating dangerous from benign, that you have the capacity to assess their strengths and weaknesses and then take skilled, decisive action on their behalf. We use our judgment all the time in the work we do. And hopefully, it's judgment tuned and tempered by experience, knowledge, compassion, and caring. This is where it can get tricky. Are we treating our patients based on how we think they should be or on how they would like to be? Let me give you an example of a time that I misjudged a patient. This person is extremely detail-oriented and has a strong sense of right and wrong. He leans on detailed self-criticism as motivation to make himself better. In the Sam acupuncture system, this person has an overabundance of Sanjiao energy, which means he's a bit lacking in yin and blood. And so I'm often using treatments that boost these so as to counterbalance that bright young light of self-consciousness. One day I thought it would be helpful to, instead of tonifying blood, liver blood in particular, I'd take away some of that self-critical, self-reflective san Jiao Qi. And so I drained his san Jiao channel and I missed the signs that this was the wrong move. The next time I saw this patient, he said, I don't know what you did last time, but let me tell you, never do that to me again. I didn't sleep at all that night. I've been edgy ever since, and I just don't feel like myself. Ah, there it was. I used acupuncture to take away something essential of who this person thinks himself to be. I misjudged the situation. I thought he'd be happier without his constant stream of self-critical thought, and I was wrong. He likes his critical thoughts, but he wants some support and a bit of that buffering nourishment that comes from having more blood and more yin. He did not want less of who he essentially experiences himself to be. He wanted help with the trouble that comes from being just who he is. <laughs> It's a delicate balance, isn't it? How often have you seen something in a patient and thought if they believed differently, they'd be happier, they'd be healthier, and they might be better citizens to boot? As practitioners, we like to get to the root of the problem, but we have to make sure that we're not giving a treatment that in essence tells a patient that they should be different from how they fundamentally are. I learned that day the importance of respecting the essence of who somebody is. I applied a situation that I thought was good for them, but it turned out I'd not been listening carefully enough. I was giving them my solution. What would have been more helpful was to give a treatment in line with who they are, not who I thought they should be. So yes, judgment. It's really important. And we will at times miss the mark. See our patients through our own belief structures and desires for how we think they should be instead of following the essence of who they are by eliciting from them how we can be helpful. It's humbling work learning to use our judgment. And as I discovered, it's the opposite of being judgmental. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. (music) Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful
2: and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break.
1: And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM
2: learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
1: Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up in available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code GEOLOGICAL for a 1 month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. Today's conversation is a bit of a PSA, a public service announcement. Merlin Young and the crew over at Moxa Africa are working on some methods and research for treating long-haul COVID using, of course, Moxa. You might have caught the conversation with Merlin way back in episode number 82, in which we discussed the work that he's been doing with treating antibiotic-resistant TB. He's now taken his passion for helping people with Moxa and applying it to people throughout the world who are suffering from long-haul COVID. And because from Merlin's point of view, it's not enough to simply help people, We also need to capture with well-grounded research, if we're being helpful, and if so, how it is that our treatments are effective. So to that end, he and the Moxa Africa crew are in the midst of doing some research on the use of rice grain Moxa to alleviate the suffering of those with long-haul COVID. This conversation goes into what this research project is about and how you can help. The suffering of this world is no joke, and there's plenty of it to go around. Listen into this conversation on how MOXA might make a difference and how you can be of help. Merlin Young, welcome to Geological. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you back. Merlin, the Moxa guy is how I always think about you. We had you on the podcast a long time ago now. It's hard to believe that I can say the words long time ago and refer to the podcast, but it, it's been around that long, and it's been a while since we've talked. I
0: really appreciate being invited back.
1: Yeah. You've got some interesting things that you're doing now, of course, with Moxa. Yeah. And long-haul COVID and some research. Yeah. I'd like to know more about what you're doing, and all y'all's listening to this, this is, in a sense, kind of a listener participation opportunity, because from some email that Merlin and I have had, there's a fantastic project that you've got going on. So start at the beginning.
0: Okay, well, I'll put a bit of context to it. So as you can understand, we've been beset by this coronavirus for pretty much two years now. And what that's done in terms of the work with MOX Africa, that we've been working exclusively with tuberculosis and drug-resistant tuberculosis, is it's just stopped everything in its tracks. So pretty much 18 months, we were pretty much totally incapacitated. And in the middle of last summer, so that's Northern Hemisphere time, so about June, we were sort of deciding, well, what the hell are we going to do? We've got a lot, we've got a lot of, High quality moxa that we've purchased or has been do- donated very generously. Donated, we've also not that it's a lot, but in the charity's bank account, we've probably got more money sitting there doing nothing. And as a charity, that's not a very good thing to be able to say. So we thought, well, we've got to do something. Mm-hmm. And then this idea materialized, well, how do we describe this? The current, our current understanding of how. Moxa helps people recover from tuberculosis, is that it does so by provoking a beneficial response in the host immune system that helps drive back what is an invasive pathogen, a slow burning invasive pathogen that can be very, very lethal. And we've got, I mean, basically, we've got the data that supports that hypothesis. So, where you've got a fast acting infection, Frankly, I don't think that MOXA is going to do more than potentially preempt an infection by basically strengthening the immune response and therefore preventing an infection in the first place or reducing the virulence of the infection because things happen too fast. So say, for instance, with the coronavirus infection, things happen pretty quick from the moment the virus Mm -hmm. gets into the, the respiratory tract. So we knew, I mean, we were asked by several people, would it be any good? And our answer is, well, we certainly wouldn't discourage anybody from trying to to use Moxa preventatively. But as a a therapeutic response, it's probably meaningless. But where you've got something like long COVID, you've got a different animal on your hand because everything there is working slowly. Now, it's completely different to tuberculosis. It's a different, you know, TB is a mycobacterium, the COVID is a, or SARS-CoV-2 is a coronavirus. So they are completely different animals, but they both, as far as we're concerned, and I think very few of your listeners would disagree with me, they both feed off weakened immune systems. Mm -hmm. So anything you can do to strengthen the immune system seems to be a good idea. So basically, the idea materialized, as I say, last June, well, look, we should be doing something for long COVID. Now, Please jump in if you've got a question, but I'll just keep going. Oh, I certainly will. It's hard to shut me up. Okay, well, well until I run out of steam, just jump in, because I'll keep going. So our charity is set up specifically for investigation. So it's not to be running programs. It, as a fundamental activity, it's investigating. So on that basis, well, we've done the investigation. We've collaborated in three randomized control trials for TB. Okay, so can we do anything similar to try and establish whether Moxa could possibly help drive back what is a lingering, in I guess in our language, we'd say a lingering pathogen? Mm-hmm. It's stuck in the system.
1: It's a lingering pathogen. Yeah. It's stuck in a system that probably is compromised in some way.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's why it's lingering. You know, we spend a lot of time looking at the terrain yeah. of a human being. What's the ecosystem of that person? Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. So we're faced with most of us, if we've got any experience at all, we'll have treated some chronic fatigue. And chronic fatigue and long COVID definitely, without question, has similarities, but they're not the same thing. And also we are kind of like trained to think in specific traditional ways in terms of viewing Infections or conditions, generally, in terms of traditional dynamics—for want of a better word—I think Mm -hmm. we don't know with this. Back last June, we don't know what the hell this this virus really is. Was it a natural phenomenon? Was it cooked up? You know, words is it a freak? In which case, we're dealing with something potentially completely novel that's never been encountered in the history of East Asian medicine. So we need to basically keep our minds open. We have particular affinities to certain points, certain combinations of points. But let's basically assume we don't know, in which case, why don't we try and find out? Because time is not on anybody's side in this, uh, particularly if you've got a long COVID. We need to get moving as fast as possible. And so what we decided to do was to canvas the community as best we could for ideas about what might particularly be helpful, using We're pretty much committed to MOCSA. The clue's in the name. And so on that basis, we would develop, design four different protocols with using slightly different approaches, which sort of align with traditional theory or align with evidence, evidential theory, and then compare them with each other.
1: I'm going to jump in here for a second. I love how you so often with your work, Moxa Africa, this long-haul COVID, you're looking to help people, you're looking to treat people, but you're also deeply dedicated to learning something about what's going on. And one of the things I think is phenomenal about the medicine that we practice is that we can take something like a novel virus, like you were saying natural, freak, man-made, who knows. In some ways, it doesn't matter because certainly during the history of China, as long as people have been practicing Chinese medicine, they've seen stuff they haven't seen before. Exactly. And in some ways, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because we are looking at how's the person responding? What's the constellation of troubles that are showing up? We can make sense of that with so many different aspects of our Chinese medicine theory and practice. So it's wonderful that you're doing this. I'm very curious to hear, you say there's like four different protocols or like four different patterns what is it that you're seeing? What is it that you're testing
0: here? Okay, I'm going to be a bit awkward here because I don't want to give the game away uh-huh. about exactly what we're doing. And there's, there are two reasons for that. One is a very practical one, which is that we don't know which one is the best. Mm-hmm. So if we put our protocols out there, people are going to want to basically go for it without any evidence base at all at this stage. But the second reason is because we are desperate for long haulers to be contacting us and enrolling and if we put it out there our community is going to use whichever protocol they choose without referring patients to the study in which case we learn nothing Mm -hmm. and I think in the previous podcast I may have been a little bit critical of our community one of the things I think that we have failed in is establishing a really powerful coordinated coherent evidence base people are going in different directions they're doing this they're doing that and there's plenty of evidence out there but it's not coherent enough i'm going to go back for a sec so the current estimate is that roughly 10 percent of symptomatic cases developed something that could be described as long covid so you're talking about probably some lingering symptoms at six weeks post infection some definitions go 13 weeks What we know for sure is there is some very, very serious cases that are nearly two years down the line. We've got some people enrolled in the study who are two years down the track with this. March 2020, they got infected. And they're suffering from a a huge range of symptoms, a really huge range of symptoms. So basically, this is a serious attempt to develop something that's simple. In the ethos of Mox Africa, it's always got to be simple and cheap, and that could be helpful. Beyond that, we know that if 10%, I haven't had a look recently what the current reported total incidence of COVID-19 itself is, but we're talking about, to be honest, I should have done my research. Millions of people. It's huge. Yeah, millions of people. Yeah. And so if you take one zero off the end, so that's 10%, that is potentially an unbelievable host of people who are chronically suffering from some sort of problems as a result of this. Of Not that they're all still suffering. I'm sure a lot of them will, will have recovered. But the big point for us with MOX Africa, because our perception is always about the injustice of, of medical provision in the world. And that's because of TB, because TB is so much affects the poor. Now, we have no idea really how much COVID there's been in what I call the global south of the majority world, we have no idea because the testing's never been done. It appears to be less. Mm -hmm. It appears to be significantly less, and there's been some explanations about that. But we don't know. But even if it was 1%, it's still a huge amount of people in, and these people are living in countries which don't have this sort of social security nets, safety nets that richer countries do. So basically, if, if you're a wage earner, you're not in a poorer country. You know, this is to put it as bleakly as you can. If you're a wage earner in a poorer country and you're a manual wage earner and you're suffering from long COVID, you don't work. If you don't work, there's nothing. There's no safety net for you, which means that your family face destitution. And now that's very different to what we've got here. We've got very few people who are getting well. This is, I'm in the UK. So we've got very few people with long COVID who are getting well addressed by our medical infrastructure here because it doesn't know what to do with them. But at least they have a a safety net of employment protection, of social security and stuff. So behind our investigation, there is an idea about about program implementation. Working on the principle that, which I'll develop for you in in a second, that this whole research project is being done remotely. So we don't meet anybody who is enrolling. We're doing it all online
2: and by post. Hello everyone, Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming, or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much.
1: What I'm hearing you say is, There are some protocols you have. You want to test them. You want to give them a genuine, I was going to say double-blinded, but I don't think you're doing double-blind work, but it sounds like you want to put this research together in such a way that you're going to get reliable results. You're also concerned that if these protocols get out into the community before you've had a chance to test it, it's going to taint the results that you get. And you're very keen on getting some reliable results. So. With that in mind, how can people help you to get this research done Yeah. so that you can get the information that you need, you can get the results that you get, and then share very high-quality information with us that would help us in the treatment of long COVID?
0: Okay, I'm going to step back one, because I'm, I'm going to try and give you some answer to your question about the protocols. Which may be frustrating
1: and tantalising, whatever. But I just want to give you some idea about about our approach. Just hang on a second. I, it's not that I'm pumping you for protocols. It's that I really want to know people listening to this right now. Okay. How can they best help you? Right. Help in this effort. Okay. Well, help you do the research.
0: Well, basically, the problems that we've got, and they, believe me, this is a very challenging project. It is. Very ambitious by any standards, I think, and it's meeting loads of challenges. The main thing is the enrollment because Moxa is pretty weird for Joe Pumpkin. think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we need long haulers to subscribe. Mm. The dropout between original, actual first contact and actually starting doing a daily Moxa protocol is high enough supporting them through what is a hundred day, it's a hundred day daily moxa challenge. So they're meant to do these moxa protocols for 100 days. So our original target was to have 200 challenges, it's split into four protocols, so that's fi- roughly 50 into each protocol. Ideally, that's 200 finishers, not starters, but finishers. See how right. Every aspect of this is, is a challenge. We thought we'd enrol really quickly. Well, how stupid were we? Because it's been a much harder and much slower process. So in terms of how can anyone help, if they have patients, members of family, friends, who they would consider to be long haulers, and by long haulers, we're saying six weeks post-infection minimum. But frankly, if we're honest, if I'm honest, the longer the better, really, because they're going to be the tougher to crack, which means if if they do improve, we're more interested in what, what's happened. Because six weeks post infection, a lot of symptoms will resolve naturally. There's, we can at least say that with some reassurance. But when people are six months down the track and or further, then basically they're facing a, a harder reality. So, and the best way to... I should be prepared and have, have have something I could I could kind of like give you. But the best way of tracking it is to go onto the MoxAfrica website, which is very simple. It's www.moxafrica, one word. M-O-X-A-F-R-I-C-A dot org. And on the first page, the homepage, it'll say new and it'll say about the, the Long COVID challenge. If you click on that, then the email address to write to. The email address is quite long, so it'll be a waste of time probably
1: explaining it. Yeah. I mean, we can put it on the website in the show notes. Brilliant. Yeah. But if you're listening to this, just go to moxaafrica.org. Yeah. You'll be able to get it. So now... Can I just add one qualification? Mm. One of the things that I
0: can fully understand is, so I've got a long hauler patient, and I think they could benefit from this. But actually... I don't really want to enroll them because i'm going to lose my, i'm going to lose my patients, so we've got to look at this practically people who are, forget about acupuncture if somebody they could be doing homeopathy, they could be doing bowen technique, they could be doing anything. we don't want anybody to stop doing anything that they think is helpful. It's that straightforward, but we don't want anybody who's being treated to have any moxa of any sort mm. during those hundred days. Anything else that they want to do, they can do because we live in a real world and we want these people to feel better. So I want to reassure, but particularly because we're talking here to acupuncturists, you know, almost exclusively, I guess, then basically, please don't hesitate to encourage anybody who is struggling. If they're getting better, they don't belong in our study, frankly, because they're getting better anyway. So the moxa doesn't show, then the moxa won't show a difference. But if they're struggling, those are the ones. We, we, we want the tough cases, frankly. It would be nice to have easy cases, but we want the tough cases.
1: No, I, Of course you want the tough cases. Yeah. Yeah, because you really want to see how it's working. Exactly,
0: exactly. So to give a little bit of more idea of the structure, so it, we we enroll in three stages, really. The initial contact, we have two questionnaires in the enrollment process. One is to try and establish the type of long COVID, and the profile of the potential challenger, male, female, age, very interesting. The profile at the moment is, I think about 80%, I haven't checked it recently, I think it's about 80% female, average age, probably around about 50 to 55. So it's a very interesting kind of patient type. And then we try and dissect a little bit the symptoms that they're reporting. Into different categories because, with a bit of luck at the end of it, we may be able to pick that apart further to find out which protocol helps with particular types of symptoms. And the range of symptoms is huge. Obviously, fatigue is right up there, fatigue, pain is right up there. What's shocked me is how many are suffering from cardiovascular conditions, tachycardia, arrhythmias. I'm
1: not surprised. It's shocking. I'm not surprised at all. And also neurological. Yes, we've been seeing blood stasis issues with COVID since the beginning of COVID. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that Chinese medicine actually picked up before Western medicine. We were seeing signs of blood stagnation. Yeah, and so it's not at all surprising. Yeah. So, and then we do a second
0: questionnaire, which is a basically general health profile. From which we can produce a baseline score. And we follow that up at the end of the 100 days with a final questionnaire, where then we can compare, start score and finish score, and see who's improved, which one's done better. But in the course of the project developing, we realized that we lost some people very early on. So some people get back to us after a week or two, and they say, do you know something? This moxa business isn't for me. So they go down in the record as as having dropped out. And that's very important data for us because it tells us how challenging this is going to be if we want to roll out a programme later. But we then respond to them again, saying, thanks so much, fully understand. Would you mind us sending you a second questionnaire in 100 days' time? And in nearly every case so far, they've said, of course, it wouldn't be a problem. And from that, we're developing a control group. That's actually wonderful. It is. We were very unhappy with trying to create a sham treatment. Sham with Moxa is very difficult. So how would we create sham? And anyway, we want these people to get better. And it felt wrong to try and create an either or, you know, either getting a... So in a sense, they've selected themselves to become the control group, which feels very comfortable. So, and at the end, we do the scores. We take our medians and, and all this stuff and we come up with data and hopefully... We discover one or two of the protocols is going to be outshining the other two. Hopefully all of them, to, do, to some degree, will outshine the control group. If all four protocols are much the same, you have to draw a conclusion that maybe it's not doing anything at all in terms of point selection. All four of the protocols are, have almost the same amount of daily cones so it's it's either 18 or 21 cones a day that are applied. These are tiny rice grain cones. So we're trying to, to make the, the overall dosage roughly equivalent. So we're trying to keep it as, as rational as we possibly can. It's far from perfect, but it's given what we've got, it's as good as we can, we can make it, I think. You mentioned about double-blinding. I don't think you could ever double-blind Moxa, but you can blind. No, you can't. No, you can't, I don't think. But you can single-blind. Mhm. But in this case, no, we're just doing direct comparisons between protocols.
1: Well, it's a very valid method. Yeah. To do like a standard of care or to compare this method to that method to the next method and then have a control group. Mm. You still get very useful information. Yeah. And that's the whole idea is we want information for
0: the the acupuncture community. And as soon as we have what we would consider to be usable information, believe me, we'll be sharing it. There's no debate about that Mm -hmm. because our whole thing has been open source from the start. But the other question that that is mithering us at the background is, which is a fundamental question. So we want 200 finishers. To get 200 finishers, how many starters are we going to have? How many people of contact are we going to have? And that number could be quite high. And that actually tells us how hard this is going to be if we do choose to implement it. So somebody, for the sake of argument in India, who is struggling with lung COVID, can get in touch with us and say, I've got lung COVID. All we'd need is what is your lung COVID? What type is it? Is it primarily more neurological? Is it whatever? And then from that, we can say, we think this protocol is going to be good for you. We can send you Moxa. We can send you Moxa that will last you for at least three months and you can see how you're doing. And we won't charge you a bean for it because we've got this pile of Moxa that's ready to use and we should be using it as a charity. So the answer to that question is concerning because it does look like we've got a real challenge on our hands to actually get people through, not just into the actual, through the start gate, but right through to the end gate.
1: Merlin, Do you have some kind of support system for people? I mean, I'm just thinking about like someone here in the state of Missouri, here in the middle of the United States, doing rice cone moxa. Like, first of all, how do you teach them to do that? Right? I'm just thinking about like Joe Bubba down the road Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? (laughs) And he's out on his bass boat and he's not feeling good because he's got long COVID and he wants to feel better. So, how are you teaching people to do this, and and do you have some kind of support or follow up, or do you need help yeah. with people providing support or follow up to take people through? I mean, come on, dude, a hundred days—that's hmm. hmm. a long time in the internet world. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're hitting all the right, all the right
0: or the wrong questions here. So, yeah, I mean, the first thing is what's a prime symptom?
1: Brain fog. Hmm. So that gives us off to a really good start when you're trying to basically take something. From, that's right. Oh, I forgot to do my moxa because I got brain fog. Or I
0: can't handle this. I can't handle this information that you're trying to give me. You know, And I know that brain fog accounts for some of the dropouts that we've had. But what we do have is we've got some experience in this because the Moxa Africa experience has always been, we don't do the treatment. We teach people to do the treatment. So we know it can be taught very easily. But it's a lot easier if you've got half a dozen health workers in front of you. You can teach them to do to teach their own patients to do this very safely. And you can do that, really, you can do it in a day, but we tend to take two days. But, you know, that's easy because MOXA is, by nature, a simple treatment compared to acupuncture. But this time we're taking one further step back, and that's to be trying to do it online and and on paper. So we've created some short films that we send links to when we actually fully enroll the person we're basically now. We're sending you some Moxa, this is what we want you to do. They're in short, we tend to send four films to each patient so that they're not big involved things that they're going to lose interest in. And the day we send Moxa to somebody, we send them the links to the film. So they're going to have a look at the films, hopefully, Once or twice before the moxer arrives, so they've got an idea what they're getting into, and then they can do it again. Three of the four protocols can be exclusively self moxered. One, which possibly is going to be the the new kid on the block, that'll be the one, Mm. has got back points, and that's very challenging because it needs the commitment of a helper as well as the commitment Mm. of the long hauler Mm. themselves. That's a bit of a problem for us. But basically, we send out paperwork with the moxa and with the, the tape as the incense sticks which we nobody's run out of moxa as far as i know nobody's told us they've run out of moxa they have told us they've run out of incense sticks but that's not a big deal because people can get incense sticks pretty much anywhere mm-hmm. and that's because they take so long to start with some people really really do take a long time to do what once they've got the hang of it is actually very quick and then And we send these links to the film clips. At that point, I think some people basically go, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. I thought this was going to be easy. And and it doesn't feel easy. Mm -hmm. So we send that out. We ask them to tell us when they start, the day they start. And then our own clock starts ticking. So we send out a follow-up email at seven days. We don't get this right every time, but we try and do this because it's hard to stay on top of this. We stay, send a follow-up email at seven days. We send a follow-up email at one month. And we send a follow-up email at 50 days, so halfway through. The idea being then is we can basically address problems as they arise. And The one thing we're very, very clear on is if you've got a problem, ask us. And we will respond individually to any problem. We've got to because we've got to make sure this is safe. Right. And at the moment, we've had no catastrophes. But well, we have had some accidental blistering. I'd be lying if we didn't say that. But these are very tiny blisters.
1: Or for the course with that
0: kind of mo- No one's burned their house down. Yeah. Nobody's burned their house down yet.
1: <laughs> so Merlin, I've got a couple of questions for you. Sure. Because it sounds like the support piece could be very helpful in keeping people going through 100 days. Hmm. Do you need help? Would it? If there's students out there or practitioners or whoever listening to this right now, could they volunteer to help you as a support person? Could you use some extra man or woman
0: power? I tell you what, what we need help with. This is my million dollar opportunity here. Okay. The thing we need help with is promoting this. And we're not very good at promoting, to be honest. And so there are a lot of Facebook groups, frighteningly frightening when you look at the contents, and which are long haul. You know, long haulers. Dot whatever. Big Facebook groups with thousands of members, and you and you scroll down the entries, and you think, God, how are these people are surviving. They're they're struggling so much. So what we do is we join the group, and then we upload the information about the study. Make it very clear that this is non profit. And sometimes we get a negative response that can be a little bit abusive sometimes because people online can be a little bit... You you don't want to be too sensitive.
1: Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code chi 2024. To receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. What kind of negative responses do you get? That's
0: curious. That there's somebody something suspicious, they're gathering information. Because of course we've got to gather information because we need the information to create the data. So when people write me are very suspicious we've got lots to be suspicious about, but you don't have to be suspicious of us, for God's sake. You know what I mean? But, but this has happened, unfortunately. And a couple of people have been actually straight, full-on abusive, but only a couple. And there's always a couple of people like that. And there. there's people who, who knows, they may just be computer algorithms. Anyway, they may not even be real people. So who knows? But we've written behind the scenes, we've written to the administrators of some of these groups, explaining who we are, because we find that these posts never actually, although we're members of the group, they never actually show, so it would appear we're, we're being defeated by some things within the system, within the, the system of these social groups. Now that's where we need help with. Now, if we could have people with some time, whether they're, if they're acupuncture students or who, who are prepared to give us for the sake of argument, a morning or two or three hours a week just hitting. On social media, on our behalf. Because ultimately, we do better, actually. We learn more if we go away from the acupuncture. We've, don't get me wrong. We want help from acupuncturists to send people our way. But the further we are away from acupuncturists, the more real our world is in terms of general Joe and Joanna long hauler, if you see what I mean. We've been down this road before with TB in Africa. We know we come face with people that haven't got a clue what we're, what we're talking about with MOX or with East Asian medical theory or anything like that, and they're not interested. So that's the people we really want to try and hook, people who are struggling and have some sort of self-motivation to have a go at this, and then we probably get the best data of all. So that's where we need the help. If anybody's listening who wants to get in touch with us, info at moxafrica.org. Believe me, you'll get a reply within 48 hours for sure, unless it goes in our spam, which might take a week. But uh, believe me, we'll be back in touch because we really could do with that sort of help.
1: So Merlin, a couple things there. And I appreciate where you're coming from, and I especially appreciate that you want Joe and Jane, everyday citizen involved with this that makes a lot of sense one of the things that you might be running into with the social media is when you put the words covid
0: Hmm.
1: with some kind of cure or treatment and it's not standard western medicine yeah that stuff number one it may not show up number two it could get you kicked off of certain platforms
0: Hmm.
1: so you might be facing that yeah I suspect you're right, to be honest. So there's that. Now, the other piece, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a moment, because I'm thinking about, in particular, people that are in schools. Yeah. I'm thinking for myself as a practitioner, getting someone referred into your program, I mean, that person's probably still going to want to come back and talk to me to some extent. So again, I can see your reason to stay away from practitioners in a sense. But at the same time, if that person has someone that they know and they trust to help them through the process, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to have them continue with the process. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to put the question to you. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Is there a way in your current research model to enlist and use Practitioners or students, even better students, in some ways, in a way that it doesn't skew your results too much, because I think there are people listening right now could be a tremendous resource for you and your biggest and best cheerleaders. And I'm sure you're right. I don't
0: have a good answer to you. I don't think, but what I do have in immediate response is, you know, I'm not the youngest chicken on the on the block. And the rest of our little team is not either. And the idea of inspiring younger people into the aspects of what would considered what we could call global medicine,
1: mm.
0: what our therapies have to offer, the field of global medicine specifically or particularly where resources are so desperately poor. If we can excite young people coming into our profession about that, then frankly, we've done as as much as complete this study because that's where i think our profession should be looking much more outside outside itself aspects of of health in on a more of a global
1: so i was just having a zoom conversation with a friend of mine this morning before you and i got online she's putting a class together wanted some feedback she's a long time practitioner long time and we were just chatting about stuff in the way that we usually do. And somehow TikTok came into the conversation. We started looking at some stuff on TikTok. It was like, you can do therapy online on TikTok, like therapy talk. There are people doing psychotherapy, psycho friggin therapy <laughs> using TikTok. Now she and I are looking at this and we're laughing hysterically, like, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard of. But now I'm hearing you say, you and I are old. We got gray hair. We're not on social media. We don't really want to be on social media. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you are so right.
1: <laughs> but it's not a but. It's an and. It's an and because you just said there's a way that we can look at global medicine. Well, how would you look at global medicine? Well, actually, social media might be a way to do some of that. Mm. And so I'm thinking. What you might need is like an Instagram person Mm. or a a TikTok person. Yeah. Somebody who understands that like stream of connection. You and I don't understand that. You're so right. You know, we're not digital natives. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Not on my watch. But there might be people listening to this. Hearing you say, hey, we can do medicine. We can use these methods of communication. In fact, they're already using those methods of communication. So maybe you'll get some response from people listening to this right now who say, you know what? Yeah. I'm good with TikTok. Yeah. We could do a Moxa TikTok yeah. to help you. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is part of the solution. I don't know. But you're the one who brought the idea up. I'm just riffing on it. Well, I can say... To confirm what you're saying, I've never ever watched anything
0: on TikTok ever. I have never done anything on Instagram. So I'm I'm like a little dinghy afloat on a big ocean that I don't understand.
1: Dude, you're not even a dinghy on the ocean. Yeah. You're not even a dinghy on the because you're not in the damn ocean. Yes. That's,
0: you're a land animal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm
0: stuck up a little canal somewhere, <laughs> going nowhere.
1: You're not even on the water. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I couldn't thank you for basically pointing that out, because right from the start, I thought we'd be swamped with interest, knowing that this legendary 10% number, 10% of a huge, huge number is a huge, huge number. So there's an awful, awful lot of big need everywhere. Richer countries, poorer countries. It doesn't matter
1: for this. Yeah, because that damn TikTok is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if this is a good idea or not. I'm going to be curious to see if people reach out to you and say, Merlin, I can help you with this. I got some ideas. I mean, there's already some people that I've talked to on the podcast. They've got amazing Instagram feeds Mm -hmm. about Chinese medicine. So there's that as well. Okay. So, I mean, talk me out of this. (laughs) Look at this. I'm like, I'm jumping in, like talk me out of why you wouldn't want more students involved in this somehow.
0: Mm. Well, no, I, I
1: wouldn't want to talk you out of it. All I'd want to do, how's that,
0: the best way to describe this? For me, as far as I'm concerned, we've got the design of this study as good as we can. Mm. The numbers are ambitious by our, for, for the resource we've got, but they're manageable ambition is good Ambition's a good thing yeah it's just the recruitment that's the problem it's just the recruitment and so that's where we need the help we don't want anybody to misrepresent us which is very easy to do we've had it in the past with the best of intentions we've had people make claims for us on about tv that we cannot substantiate our language is always careful it's guarded it's properly qualified i have to say i'm I personally always nervous about somebody making claims on our behalf because they may not know the dangers in the field. For me, it's always the person hiding behind anything we put online is the potential collaborator mm-hmm. who's a hardcore biomedical man who's looking for the wrong wording to say, these guys are a bunch of cowboys. They're crazies. Yeah. So we want to be careful about that. but. This is the real world we live in anyway, and all of us, students, practitioners, should start to be conscious of the the wording that we use and how we promote our achievements and our failures as well. We could end up with, because we haven't got the numbers yet, we could end up with five groups, four of whom have been doing the protocols and one of whom has been doing, who didn't do anything. They're the control groups who have self-selected control group and they're all much the same there's not a decent significant difference between them in which case we have to conclude mox is a waste of bloody time for this you can give it a go if you want
1: exactly yes and you know what this is what i love about what you're doing and this is what i love about the rigor that you bring to it a good scientist is is happy to get a no as a yes to their inquiry mm. i'm not going to be as happy <laughs> I'm gonna put my cards on the table. I'll be terribly unhappy. But hang on just one second. We got a little time delay here. Yeah. And I get it that you would like to see Moxa be useful. But I also get this sense from you, you've got this incredibly inquisitive spirit. You want to get at what is true. Yeah. And I just want to call that out because in this world that we have these days. With everybody pushing a narrative and trying to prove their narrative, it's incredibly refreshing to have somebody come along and go, I want to know what's true. Yes, I would like to see the answer be this way, but I'm more interested in knowing what's true. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And then just supposing
0: we end up with an inconsequential result, then we're going to share it in the same way as we criticize Big Pharma, well, they don't publish their results. They don't do this, they don't do, which they, which is true. They don't. I'm not not trying to defend Big Pharma for a second. But we've got to apply the same standards to ourselves. So if we don't like it, we've still got to share it. We've still got to publish it. And then other people can retest it and they'll say, no, you got it wrong. We, you did it the wrong way. If we can get movement in this, getting people thinking about this, you know, there's so much opportunity here to make our medicine more helpful for people make it more accessible so the people's medicine it is a people's medicine mm-hmm. in a way that I don't want to be impolite to acupuncture because I love acupuncture but but moxa is much more of a i think I, we mentioned him in the and in, in the previous podcast i'm sure our inspiration this guy dr hara who lived to 108 he treated tb in the 1930s and it's a brilliant man and he called it a proletarian medicine. Mm. Now, that's a very unfashionable word these days, and probably in the states, that's a really unth- you know, it's a bad idea if you go if you take anything from socialism onwards, it's going to freak people out. But actually, it is a proletarian medicine. It's the people's medicine, and, and I think it always has been. And it's people who need simple, cheap therapy to get to help them get better. Simple,
1: cheap, effective,
0: effective, therapy. yes, and safe. Got to put that one in as well.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes it. So this is why things like gua sha, for example.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are so powerful and helpful. You could get a really fancy tool and those are fun, or you could just pick up a dang soup spoon. Yeah. And help people. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said for what we can do ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's simple, Mm -hmm. effective. Mm and safe.
0: And the other thing, which was the same with TB, it's about this idea of self-treatment, mm-hmm. where people can self-treat, they, they take back some power over their destiny. And you don't need to spend a long time on, on these social media sites for long haulers to realise that basically, people are really seriously, seriously adrift. In our health profile questionnaire, we can subdivide it into aspects of, men- of mental health as well as aspects of more physical health. And it'll be very interesting as well where whether we see people's mental health recover in the way they perceive themselves and the world around them, their levels of anxiety and stuff. Does that mean Moxa treats anxiety? Maybe, or maybe it's just that doing something for yourself that makes you feel better is actually, it's like the opposite of a vicious circle, isn't it? It's a virtuous The virtuous uncircle.
1: It is the virtuous circle, yes. Huge. You do something on your own behalf and you benefit from it.
0: Yeah. We've seen that with TB patients in Africa. Basically, these people are really, really in trouble and they've got no control of their destiny at all. And then all of a sudden, you're giving them something to do. And if it helps, oh my God, here we go. I'm going to get better for the first time. Yeah. It's a very, very powerful tool,
1: though. Okay. All right. Well, this conversation today has been kind of a public service announcement. This is an extra episode that we're putting up and making sure that everybody has an opportunity to listen to it because this is good work that you're doing and it's helpful work and it's rigorous work and you could use a little bit of help. So just remind us again how folks can be in touch and what kind of help would be most useful to you. Okay.
0: So, first, the call to call is the Mox Africa website, which is www.moxafrica, one word, And if you put an info in place of the www, that will work as a, an email address, so info at moxafrica.org. And that basically, those come direct to my inbox. We do have a designated email address. We also do have a designated website, but frankly, it's easier just with moxafrica.org because, and I can send you the, the stuff to put below, whatever, however you do it. Yeah, and I can't thank you enough for this opportunity because it's completely unsolicited from my end. And it could make such a big difference to the dynamic and the ultimate outcome of this project, study, whatever you want to call it, madness.
1: Yeah, well, I like the madness piece. We live in crazy times. You've got to do crazy things, haven't you? So, spot on, brother. I completely agree. And again, Merlin, I appreciate your spirit. I appreciate the rigor that you bring to this enterprise, especially with the research and that you want to know. So, all y'all that might have people to help enlist or want to help Merlin in some way, or maybe you're a TikTok genius and Merlin could. Certainly use your magical skills that way. You know where to find him. Merlin, anything else to say before we uh, land it here for today?
0: I think I'm just about exhausted, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything. to. I'm no, as soon as we stop, I'm going to think, oh, yeah, I should have said this or I should have said that. Yeah. But I think there's enough meat in there, I think, even for a vegetarian like me. So hopefully... hopefully it'll give people something to chew on put it like that and believe me anyone who gets in touch i promise we will respond yeah
1: wonderful well it's great to sit down for a little chat with you keep up the good work keep up with the madness man we need we need all the help we can get
0: we don't need more madness (laughs) thanks so much michael really really appreciate it
1: There is something about being in the presence of someone who's fired up with passion and vision. I'm not even a fan of Moxa due to my lungs, but Merlin makes me want to fall in love with the mugwort. I hope that he and the Moxa Africa crew can pull off this research. Not only would that mean helping lots of people suffering with long COVID, but it would generate some useful research for our profession as well. Do reach out to him if you'd like to help. You'll find him over at www.moxaafrica.org. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks... That's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.